0: Kicking and Screaming Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Vanessa Guerrero.
1: I'm your other co-host, Elijah Taylor. And I'm being normal.
0: (laughs) Elijah's being normal because he already knows that this is going to be a weird fucking episode. We say that every time, but we mean it especially every single time because it gets weirder as it goes.
1: I want to believe that we've had some normal ones. We've
0: had like five, like five normal episodes.
1: That tracks, that sounds right. And then everything
0: else is what's like consistent with this show. Um, But yeah, today Elijah knows that he needs to be the straight man. Uh, mm-hmm. because i am teetering on exhaustion that might lead to a god complex
1: yeah she's dangerously close to going off the rails so <laughs> i am on my best behavior today no bits not being weird just a just a regular regular type dude
0: like i've had very little sleep and handled an insurmountable amount of stuff uh insane like it's true Truly the amount of shit that I've done in every day since. She's had a rough week. I've had a rough week. And not even that it was just like bad. It's just I've like put out a lot of fires because in a lot of situations I've been in, I've also been the only person equipped to put out many fires. Mm. Um, But it kind of did this thing in my brain where I just hit because I've been working in like the entertainment industry for like a few years now. Um, sorry, I'm just talking now.
1: No, you're good. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I've just, just been
0: in the entertainment industry for a few years now, and, like, now I'm, like, getting the praise that I deserve, where it's like, oh my god, you're so good, but I also want to scream, like, I had to be amazing to get here! Uh, it's true. <laughs> and now that's getting exhausting.
1: I get you. I feel you. Uh... I've I've had, like, a pretty normal sort of week. Just a lot of hanging out. You know? Palling around. Just... <laughs> Just having a good time. Oh, <laughs> I'm t- I'm God. I'm so sorry, Dave. I'm so no, sorry. No, it's okay. It's you just the regular of kind
0: of exhaustion that comes with a wom- being a woman of color whose daddy was no one. It's true.
1: Uh, <laughs> you deserve tremendous praise and also uh, many naps.
0: So, this, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thanks for still listening this far in to, I don't know, uh, as, y- as you tune in to my uh, eventual, I don't want to say breakdown, breakup, because again... Petering on a god complex. Uh, it's oh, you're, it's you're not about that. Up? Uh, <laughs> like
1: like <laughs> you're moving into like a higher threshold of. Okay, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, something like that. Uh, This show is actually a place where we uh, pair horror movies with martial arts movies by uh, challenging each other to pick one each week. And then the other one comes up with uh, a movie in the opposite genre that we think go really well together. Because we love double features. We loved the movie theater experience. And these are two genres that we adore. And we frequently think they get discredited. Or if you like one, you might write off the other.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of horror fans that don't uh, consider themselves fans uh, specifically of like martial arts movies. And, uh, you know, a lot of the opposite as well. Uh, People who love martial arts movies, but they're like, hey, I'm not really into like slashers or whatever. Uh, And we're here to try to uh, convince all of you that if you love one, you'll love the other uh and if you already love them both then uh we're just here to hang out and talk about movies with you uh and and become good friends uh yeah and and build connections that will last a lifetime and speaking of those connections that last a
0: lifetime let's get into some of our comments which are listeners that just became our friends because we love you all that's Uh, true and this is the part where we prove to new listeners (laughs) that we're regular we're normal. We're a normal podcast
1: that we get normal comments.
0: Definitely isn't too weird. Um <laughs> so this first one comes from Jason Ibrahim at King Ripter. Fun episode since Elijah mentioned Resident Evil Seven. Already I took a look at the game character based on Sammo Hung, only to find that he was set to direct a Soul Caliber movie in two thousand one. We were robbed! Yes, Damn. we were.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh I mean Sammo Hung should have directed, like, every movie adaptation of, like, uh, fighting games. You know, like, just give him Tekken and Dead or Alive and Soul Calibur when it's just, like, a a cast of quirky characters has to go fight for some reason in a tournament. Maybe it's on an island. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Who cares? Uh, Yeah, just get someone who knows how to, like, direct and, and shoot and edit action. Uh, and you do, like that that feels like an easy slam dunk. exactly. like i don't I don't care at all about the narrative of the game Soul Calibur, but I would watch the hell out of that movie if it was like a well- made action movie. And also, Boy, they fucked up Mortal Kombat, huh? That's I such wanted a to tragedy. love it.
0: I wanted to love it so bad. Same. And you'll have Joe Taslim and then yeah. you don't
1: And here That could you be honestly be its own episode. And, uh, yeah, no, I know. We could do a whole I episode think eventually where we just are bummed. We have I to know. have
0: an episode called I, the Mortal Kombat Conversation. I don't know.
1: I like I feel like I don't like spending that much time talking about things that like bum me out. No. I want to like celebrate the rad stuff, but like yeah. But it's... enough
0: time has passed that I think I can finally get criticism for it because i think it had its fun elements it did i'm not saying it was a yeah. bad movie and like give me I'm a just sequel saying it sequel underwhelming with, yeah
1: give me scott adkins as johnny cage exactly. you know, bring it on but
0: but i think enough time has passed that i can finally criticize that movie without being called a hater that's um, true
1: that did happen a lot i and every it's insane time I that i got like,
0: called a hater and i host this podcast
1: yeah no i mean same uh a lot of, lot of real sons of bitches out there. <laughs> like, I watch
0: a lot of garbage <laughs> movies that yeah, I love. Yeah. But if you promise me something and I don't get it, I'm going to say you under-delivered. Yeah. Um, or just if you
1: cast a bunch of, like, great screen fighters in a movie about fighting and then you don't have good fight scenes.
0: That's a gunpowder milkshake. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm on one today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. What else we got? I'm what sorry. Else, what, what
1: else is going on here?
0: I've... Ooh, i literally argued back with a man today (laughs) um so i'm just in that mood still i'm so sorry uh the next one we have is from adam wick at adam wick 09
1: any relation to john wick I'm
0: going to say there is. I'm going to
1: say there is. Hell yeah. Yeah, John Wicks
0: also spelled that name, but he added a C when he became an assassin so nobody could find him. Right, that Um, makes sense. (laughs) At Kick Scream Pod, we watch Little Shop of Horrors every year on 923, and I'm stumped on what martial arts movie I could pair it with this year. Do any martial arts musicals exist? I assume there has to be something. By the way... I love a movie tradition. Uh,
1: Same. Uh,
0: we got a big one in this house for everything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one that uh, I, I definitely need to like start enforcing uh, for, for years, uh, I uh, owned and operated a small uh, retail store and uh, we were open 365 days a year, uh, which meant I worked 365 days a year. I did not uh, take holidays off or anything, and uh, all of our, like, locals and regulars came to realize that every day on Thanksgiving, uh, I would be at the store by myself, like, open to close, and for whatever reason, I don't remember why it started, I just – on Thanksgiving Day, because it was usually kind of slow, I would just start, like, marathoning kung fu movies at the store – and so, like, regulars who started coming in on that day would know that, like, they could hang out at the shop and just, like, watch martial arts movies and shoot the shit all day. A Mexican uh,
0: broadcasting kung fu movies all day on Thanksgiving. You were the first El Rey Network. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. Very, very local. Just, <laughs> just word of mouth around the block. Uh, but, yeah, it was cool because it got to be a thing where uh, a couple of people in the neighborhood would, like, bring leftovers uh from their dinner and make a little leftover buffet at the shop and we would all like pick at each other's leftovers and just like watch martial arts movies all night. That's uh which beautiful. is beautiful very fun. So. Which is
0: why we're implementing Kicksgiving permanently. Yeah,
1: Kicksgiving, absolutely. Uh we love movie traditions. Uh as far as something to pair with Little Shop of Horrors uh I did reply on Twitter uh and uh the only martial arts musical that came to mind and I fe- I feel like there I are. I count it. Well, uh, no, I like. I feel like there are others. Like when you say martial arts musical, I'm like, I know there's like at least one that I'm forgetting, but I'm I'm like drawing a blank. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is Miami Connection, uh, which we love despite it's aggressively anti-ninja stance. Uh, it is this very, is a pro ninja household. This is a pro ninja pro household. Pro ninja and
0: pro uh, kung fu.
1: Yeah. Uh, and pro choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are the three things that we stand for in this house uh but no we uh procrastination Ooh, that's a good one uh we we love uh miami connection and it is like very campy uh the songs will get stuck in your head and it's like a goofy ass movie that's like fun with little shop isn't Uh, there
0: like a quicksand scene in it
1: a quicksand scene in miami
0: connection i
1: don't remember there being quicksand
0: Maybe I'm just so tired. I think every movie has a quicksand. Scene. You might
1: just be inserting quicksand into your memories again. Yeah, That's yeah. a thing that you do when you're tired. Yeah. Um, another uh, potential direction that I was thinking: uh, the first in the uh, in Yuan Woping's uh, like drunkard trilogy, which was uh, Taoism drunkard, Shaolin drunkard, and <laughs> one other film that I forget. Uh but the uh we, we've covered one on the podcast, uh and I think we I, I always get the titles confused. Uh I think we did Shaolin, uh but what you want is Taoism. Uh I think it's Taoism Drunkard. It has a really ridiculous like watermelon monster, uh which is like not dissimilar to the the Aubrey two in Little oh Shop 4s. So that's that's another potential angle, but I'm I think still... the
0: musical works better though. You're getting the same vibe throughout.
1: Yeah, because
0: th- at the end you're singing "Suddenly Seymour" and you're uh, singing "Against the Ninja." <laughs> against the Ninja, yeah.
1: or uh, what's the uh, what is it? Friends for eternity, loyalty, family—that's our rules. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so no
0: matter what, it's the earworm double feature. Yeah, no. It, it's oh my god, we good. named it. Yeah. Uh, we'll always take uh, boutique requests for double feature pairings. <laughs> yeah, we love
1: it. I live for it. I, love I will. It. I will make you an entire letterboxed uh, list of pairing suggestions.
0: And uh, our last comment uh because i feel like i could just read last comments ever all day. comment uh i, I think we're it's no because i have comments. like barfly energy where it's like hey man you want to talk i've had some times yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> swear to god i'm not normally this weird mm. justin ikes ix might be ix um because it's at spartix
1: i would say S- sparticus so maybe it's josh i all
0: right we're going with i um Josh Ickes, I'm lucky enough to still have my mother around, but we bonded so much over movies when I was younger that your description of only remembering lines in your mother's voice hit me like a brick. Oh, this is in reference Uh, to the comment, just casually crying at kick Scream pod, talking about a universal soldier movie. I'm fine. Totally fine. That Uh, is,
1: of course, referencing our uh, our crying episode. Crying episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In which Um, we both set a record for the number of times that we (laughs) cried in one episode.
0: Which, don't be fooled by the name, we cried a lot of episodes. Yeah, but Um, that's
1: definitely the crying like episode I've literally as dubbed by about Jason Ibrahim. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but no, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Josh Ickes. Uh, I'm glad that Vanessa read that one out loud. Cause I fully would have cried if I read it out loud. <laughs> uh, but no, that's really beautiful to hear. And uh, I, I don't know. That's like a whole other uh, episode of an unrelated podcast that I will uh, probably never uh, record. But just Are it, without without feelings <laughs> feelings yeah <laughs> don't want to get too into feelings because that's a whole other podcast uh but no i just uh i i think that uh personally i think there's a lot of value in uh sharing things like that uh when they uh, when it finds an audience when it like resonates with someone else and is meaningful to them and like I don't know if like talking about uh, losing my mother who I was very close with uh, inspires somebody else to like call their mom and just be like, Hey, how y- how you doing today? Uh, then, you know, that's, that's a cool thing and I'm glad that I shared it. Uh, so I don't know. That feedback is always super appreciated. It's good uh, to hear when that stuff lands, you know? So yeah.
0: thanks for sharing Josh. I guess. And And uh, a sentiment that I just, really adore because i don't know while we're a movie podcast we also adore the hell out of y'all so anytime you share these personal things it's deeply meaningful us meaningful to us uh so i can't thank anybody enough that's ever gotten personal and kind with kicking and screaming because we do it for (laughs) y'all yeah
1: absolutely uh
0: which which brings us to the thing that we're doing for y'all
1: Oh yeah, we're talking about movies. We're talking. This about is not the feelings podcast. I forgot. Fucking yeah. movies, <laughs> kicking and screaming and feeling and crying. I'd like to think <laughs> in movies that order. and
0: feeling, like pe- like what we watch and feelings go hand in hand. Considering I have an Evangelion figure on my desk. Yeah. Uh, and
1: you are you are a product of your influences in many ways. Mm. As am I. Yeah. We are, we are shaped by the uh, the media that we consume.
0: And I'm shaped like a giant robot. And.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> God, I wish that was true.
0: <laughs> I, I I really like the movies we picked today because I think those were both like video store staples for you and me.
1: Yeah, like absolutely
0: things that we both almost have memorized, and they kind of naturally came together uh, and formed one of my favorite double features we've uh, we've had on here. So uh, I'm gonna introduce the movie Shocker that I picked because yeah, it's under it the twist. martial arts category. If- I keep things. Spicy. I tried to touch his nose, but I couldn't reach.
1: Yeah. He's got short little arms, but she keeps things spicy. <laughs> like a T-Rex in a mini skirt.
0: <laughs> so, for my feature presentation, I have chosen... Bloodsport. Bloodsport.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. Kumite. 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 Kumite! Uh, All right. <laughs> I do need to
0: say that in the middle of this, uh, our viewing of Bloodsport, um, I've been enabled by Elijah and that I told him I wanted to start my own kumite. And he was like, yeah, go for it.
1: Yeah. No, literally. do. I will always encourage anyone who's trying to start a kumite. Like I will uh, I will help in any way that I can. I will compete in it uh and i will uh you know just generally throw my support behind that i know but i spent like, my life like i you do know you think how, like, people
0: will take me seriously if i'm like there's a kumite it's gonna be at the end of 2020 because i don't trust anything but 2020 i want to is right
1: sorry last 2022
0: year. it's okay. gonna be at the end of 2022 because i don't trust anything but i want to give everybody enough time to train because i'm fucking serious can i send you a letter for a kumite nearly two fucking years from now
1: yeah. No, I think that's great. Uh, also, listeners, if any of you would like to participate in uh, the Kumite that my wife is organizing, uh, let us know because uh, I I think that she uh, probably is somewhere on a spectrum of obsessive compulsive uh, personality disorder. Uh, and sometimes- it's- You and
0: I both fucking know that this is a manic episode because I'm bipolar-diagnosed bitch. Uh, okay. Beach. Okay.
1: Sorry. I wasn't sure what it was that makes you like a dog with a bone sometimes with- uh very specific ideas it's because mania. it's well because i have the same thing and we both uh <laughs> diagnosis we, twins we, we do both have bipolar <laughs> too, but i also uh have the, the a, a touch of the ocd from my mother uh so i always assume that it's that because it feels very obsessive uh and compulsive <laughs>
0: uh, no 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 that's just the part of me uh I don't know what part of me that is. I think sometime in my lifetime, I smash the part in my brain that's sensible.
1: Mm, That's a giant robot part. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But yeah, so my wife, uh, Vanessa, my lovely co-host, she probably uh, will actually organize a real kumite. I ideally no one will die like we're not gonna try to have like a chong lee type in there but no uh you know probably some people are gonna get fucked up some people might get knocked out some noses might get broken i don't I'll know. have
0: an actual ref yeah
1: like it's a comité it's gonna be f- fighting uh but yeah not if, to the death no not to the death but i'll be so you know, mad if you to, do like knockout or submission uh so yeah, if anyone wants to participate in the kumite, I assume that it's like kind of open invitation. If you're like
0: free two years from now. Yeah, if
1: you're free two years from now, you feel like training or you already train and fight and you wanna come uh fight with us, uh, you know, come be in the kumite. Uh yeah, I'm into it. You know, like Dominic Toretto, uh of the Fast and Furious franchise yeah. lives his life a quarter mile at a time. I live my life like one kumite at a time. I'm always just like existing in the space between kumites so
0: i think i live my life like someone just dug out of a grave
1: it's like you're just like (laughs) frantically like looking around and going what year is it how long have i been in there yeah
0: who are you people (laughs) like i just like climbed out of dirt and i'm just like "Ah!" towards sunlight yeah
1: no that makes sense
0: (laughs) so anyways we're gonna talk about a real person who definitely did everything (laughs) that he says he did frank (laughs) ducks
1: frank frank dukes like put up your dukes (laughs) um yeah let's
0: definitely real and has done everything he's Mm -hmm. ever claimed to have done
1: i love by the way that frank dukes uh existed in a time you know pre-internet when you you could just build a career on the most uh, genuinely the most outlandish shit like (laughs) these dudes these like you know count dante frank dukes types of dudes who uh if you are not familiar frank dukes was uh A con artist and charlatan who uh, made a career off of lying about being really cool and badass. (laughs) He He
0: literally got famous by being the uncle that claims to have, like, stopped a terrorist incident.
1: Yeah, he just would would talk about, like, you know, all of his, like, secret missions when he was a secret government super soldier and... Uh, you know how his hands are registered lethal weapons, all that goofy type of shit. That he has like, got a jar all... molly
0: in his closet, but he never takes it, cause like that's kid shit.
1: I I haven't heard that one. <laughs> We've, we've all encountered different types of liars, I suppose. <laughs>
0: or that the uh, FBI tried to recruit them, but they were too much of a loose cannon.
1: Oh, it's true. Like they were just like they were too badass to be a secret agent. Like, yeah, that's so that's like Frank Dukes. He, he claimed to know Dim Mac, <laughs> the, uh, the death touch, which I have uh, said many times on this podcast before. Uh Mac is bullshit, it is not real, and if there are any DIDMAC Mac pe- practitioners that would like to prove me wrong, please Fight do us. so. Fight me. Uh
0: sorry, I just wanted to say I had an uncle uh who once claimed that he built helicopters and met George Bush. Um and he later applied for a loan in my name and I was seventeen. shit.
1: <laughs> I mean building helicopters and admitting George Bush is like not even like the most ridiculous <laughs> lie. It's like, yeah, that could be a thing. Like that's not even I guess it's like not cool enough to even lie about what I'm trying
0: to say is we have a Frank Dukes in all of our families. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. No, absolutely. Um
0: this one just became fucking famous. This dude
1: made a career on it. He would like go on T V and shit and talk about uh how he went to secret fighting tournaments and how he used to do blood sports and kumites and how he could kill you with a pressure point strike and just the most the most goofy shit. Uh my my favorite uh Frank Dukes that I've met was uh he was a courtesy clerk at a king supers next to the uh hollywood video that i worked at we like shared king supers by the way a chain of supermarkets uh is uh i think regional but it's part of the the kroger brand uh but yeah he he worked at a grocery store he was a courtesy clerk uh which was like one of my first jobs as well uh but i worked at the hollywood video we shared a parking lot and he would like come in sometimes so i like recognized him when i was at that king supers uh but very quickly he as soon as it was established that like i was not i i think as soon as he established that i i was not like going to bully him uh I- if he did this he would just without solicitation launch into the most outrageous shit you've ever heard and it became like a like a fun party trick where i would invite friends and be like hey we're going to go to this king super's and we're going to talk to this dude paul And if Paul is there, he's going to say the most ridiculous shit. And none of you are allowed to call him out on it. It It'd be like, okay. And we would go. And I'd literally just be like, Hey Paul, how you been, man? And he'd be like, it's been rough, bro. Pretty, pretty tired today. And I'm like, Oh yeah, what's going on? You get into some stuff. And he's like, Oh, I was up all night. Bunch of, bunch of killers busted into my house last night. Kept me up, man. One of them, you could tell he trained a lot of Filipino knife fighting. So, uh, yeah, we, you know, long story short, we ended up on the rooftop having a knife battle. Uh, ended I don't up, feel like that's a long story. You know, ended up cutting his throat, <sighs> threw him off the roof. You know, a bunch of agents showed up to get rid of the bodies and stuff and, uh, you this know, is just make sure a that I was. Short story cool. long. Yeah, and he was just like, would tell the most absurd, outlandish shit. And it would literally just be like, how you been? And he'd be like, oh boy, do I have a story for you? And uh, it ruled. I, I, He brought so much joy into my life with his. Uh, I guess like tall tales.
0: You know what? Let's make, let's let more weird liars make movies. Yeah. So, uh,
1: <laughs> Agreed. Cause this is how we got Bloodsport. Frank Dukes convinced people to make a movie based on his outlandish lies. And
0: we got Bloodsport. Uh, and I think this is our first Van Damme movie that we're actually covering, which is insane considering we've been doing this for nearly a year. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's, I, well, it's our first Van Damme starring, I think, but uh, he's a universal soldier. Yeah. He's in day of reckoning for sure. And he's fantastic in it. Um, yeah, I think I think I've like shied away from picking Van Damme movies because uh, I have uh, such a such a weird relationship. It's one of those things. It was like you with uh with Chucky movies where like you you waited for a while to finally do Bride of Chucky because it's like. You worry that you're going to have too much to say, but also, like, not say enough, you oh, know?
0: Spoiler, baby. We did that to each other with our picks.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, which I think was, like, kind of unintentional, but I, I realized uh, once we were watching <laughs> them, like, what we had done.
0: I'm We're recording this late, and I'm tired as shit, and I'm down to make this a long episode because we just handed each other some, like internal thought grenades. <laughs> yeah. No, it's
1: it like almost has to be a long episode. And I'm not going to try to make it that, but I,
0: it's going to be kind of Kids. a long episode.
1: I mean, if you clicked this, you already know how long it is because there's a runtime next to it, but yeah. uh, we're still figuring that out. Uh, you're listening to this in the future. Uh, but no, Van Damme uh, was probably more than any other action star, like the biggest uh, influence on me, uh, which I mean is maybe evidenced by the fact that like you watch the movie kickboxer and it's like oh yeah i guess i did that <laughs> like i literally just like <laughs> went to thailand and like found a, a gym like in like a pretty rural part of thailand that was like a pretty small gym and then just trained and fought for a while and uh you know never at the level of Jean claude van damme's character in, in kickboxer uh, but literally, I, like, watched that movie again a few years ago and was like, oh, fuck, I didn't, like, even intentionally do that. Like, I didn't realize that, like, four years of my 20s were just me acting out the plot of the movie Kickboxer because it was so important to me as a kid. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, he, uh, I, I mean, Van Damme movies, you know, it was, like, kind of my first, uh, I think, probably my first, like, exposure to... Uh, like action movies and martial arts movies, uh, because we watched a ton of them in my house growing up, but those were like the earliest ones that I would have seen. And so he was the first, uh, you know, the first person I ever like saw a move like that. And the first time I like saw a person just doing like flips and kicks and was like, oh, that's a thing a body can do. That's cool. But he's also pretty. But he's also pretty. And, uh, you know that's that's another weird element is that like as an adult uh, who is attracted to uh, all sorts of folks across the whole gender spectrum uh, as a as a bisexual adult uh, I find Jean Claude Van Damme like extremely attractive because uh, he's gorgeous who wouldn't he's a beautiful dude he's
0: literally like ballet pretty like he's yeah. he's an action star but honestly he's never looked like a rugged action star
1: no and I mean like obviously like he you know was was a dancer as well. But yeah, he's like just such a such a beautiful like specimen of a person. He's got
0: pouty lips and the high cheekbones and things that are usually like, oh, that's like a like a like a dignified pretty boy.
1: Right, right. He's like he's very much like the archetype of like a like a Bishonen anime character of like the really like beautiful kind of feminine dude who can also like just beat up anybody. Uh, And because of this, uh, my mother was uh, desperately in love with him. (laughs) And so growing up, she like, you know, like had a poster of him and would always like, uh, there's like a small stable of people because my father was never around. There was like a little stable of people that my mother would always be like, that's your dad. Like someday someday we're gonna meet up and get married and that's your dad. Uh, It was, uh, Crypt Keeper was often referred to as my dad. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme was like probably Jean Claude Van Damme. Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, he was like the main one. Uh, so you know, really, r- realistically, I think my entire uh, career as a as a kickboxer in Thailand was just like trying to make my dad proud. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a whole weird thing where I uh, uh, love him and he means a lot to me, and then also as an adult, I watch this movie and I'm like, oh, but he's so attractive though, <laughs> you know. Definitely, uh, moving into some bizarre, uh, psychosexual territory. Uh, but yeah, Bloodsport, man. Let's talk about, let's talk about Bloodsport. Let's talk about the, the, the plot of the movie.
0: So I think the first time I saw Bloodsport was similar to the first time I saw Scarface in that I was too young and it was in the background of a television of an adult that was supposed to be watching me. Mm. Uh, and I uh, hey, don't
1: you can't be too young for blood sport. There's not like objectionable <laughs> content in blood sport. uh I feel like some of like
0: the blood and the leg breaking and the stuff
1: like that uh, like, it's got the leg I, yeah. I wasn't right. like
0: as uh, again, my first exposure to horror movies was a wax museum um, right, right. so like some stuff happened later it's also kind of aggressive, and there's a lot of swearing. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I always think of it as being like so cartoonish in my head. It's such a like Looney Tunes of a movie that I like don't think of it like genuinely as being. Oh, know, in my like,
0: head now it's like very tame Looney Tunes, right. but at the time I was just like, huh. um, yeah, I get you, because uh, I definitely had to have been like Pff, four. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was it was a enough to be short enough to hide behind a couch age right you know? that's pretty small um and and similar to scarface i just sat behind this couch and <laughs> watched the entire thing um which is also how i fell in love with De palma um mm. but i digress uh More like dad palma am i right <laughs> right uh <but laughs> Sorry, it was around i around a this lot time. of dads i mean kind of though <laughs> like the, the amount of de palma bangers anyways um so this was one that I saw when I was a little bit younger, and in my head, it like I had cemented it as like, this is the ultimate martial arts movie. Nothing can touch it." Mm-hmm. and honestly probably maintained it pretty far into adulthood until I met you. Um, I had known that there were other action movies and I'd liked other action movies and I'd liked other martial arts movies. Um, I just never really like blew that open uh, until we started dating, and it was something that I added pretty much the reason we started this podcast because I was yeah. a horror fan that hadn't given the other genre a fair shake. And then I realized, duh, I love this. But Bloodsport was the one where when people were like, do you like martial arts movies? Do you like action movies? was on my like, of course, John Wick, Bloodsport, you know, the ones that everyone says because, and there's a reason for that because, you know, Jean-Claude is amazing and the Kumite is amazing. Um, I'm just at that age where I can say things like, I love Space Jam and it sucked. (laughs) <laughs> we, I, I love it because I watched a movie when I was a kid, right. And it blew. And I'm not at all saying Bloodsport sucks. No. Not even close. I love Bloodsport. I
1: Bloodsport holds up.
0: I quote it a lot. Yeah. Um, but I can admit to myself that the best parts about Bloodsport is the kumite, and not. Every, I'm not saying everything else around it is bad. I'm just saying. Uh, I forget how boring the parts that aren't the kumite is.
1: <laughs> I mean. There are parts that are not the Kumite where you still get to look at young Jean Claude Van Damme doing the splits, doing the splits, doing cool training. Yeah, I mean, oh, when he's doing the splits on that like, like weird, like ledge that is overlooking all of Hong Kong, Blah, I guess, amazing. and he's like got a shirt off. What a that is like in the canon of greatest things ever put to film like unironically not as a bit I think that that's one of the most like it's magnificent yeah it's one of the most perfect shots that it's like just as a piece of art the fact that like we as humans had a dude who is like sculpted and beautiful and like has dedicated his life to being to like looking the way he does being that like strong and flexible and capable and then we like we invented cameras and all of this technology so that we could record that shot. Over the
0: city. And yeah. again, I'm not saying boring, like it's necessarily One a bad thing. Art. It's just because it's stuff that gives you a reason for the Kumite to be there. But honestly, I don't need a fucking reason. Right.
1: No, I, for <laughs> instance, I always forget that Forrest Whitaker is in this movie. Literally, I've seen this movie a hundred times. Easily. Every time this movie starts and Forrest Whitaker shows up, I'm whoa, like, Forrest whoa, Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker's in this. Every time, literally
0: every time, I'm like, "Whoa, ghost dog!" Every time,
1: because it's uh, because it's not the Kumite, and that's you don't remember anything that's not the Kumite. Because the Uh, spectacle
0: of the Kumite is why you show up.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, there's a romantic subplot. Yeah. Uh, So the the movie, uh, he is uh, Frank Duke's uh, famous liar, uh, (laughs) and in in this portrayal (laughs) of his lies, uh, he's a
0: amazing dude
1: yeah he's in the army uh and he gets invited to the kumite in hong kong which is uh i think i feel like they say it's like annual is it how often does the kumite happen
0: i can't imagine it being annually and right, for how it sexy seems like, is it can't be so it has right, to be like every couple it years it seems like
1: way too big of a deal like they only do this every like 25 years or something but at the same time i feel like maybe later the dude jackson's like uh next year am i right uh, I might be, yeah, I'm sure I'm misremembering, but I feel like the, the nebulous amount of time that the kumite happens, let us know if you're listening and you know how often the kumite happens.
0: And the story is told, um, kind of like a, not, I don't want to say Christopher Nolan, but the kind of thing where you, uh, you, you tell things out of time for no goddamn reason.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think uh, <laughs> that it does a better job than any Christopher Nolan film uh, at all things. And I'm still uh. like, can we just make it linear? <laughs> like, if it started no. with
0: him stealing the katana <laughs> no, and I then d- making him the promise and then going to the kumite.
1: I do love it. It's, I think, okay, so it starts, again, we we just watched it uh, yesterday. Yep. I believe we watched it yesterday. Uh, so little is my retention for anything that is not the kumite. <laughs> that i've seen this movie a hundred times throughout my life uh it should be imprinted on my brain and we watched it yesterday did you just remember
0: um, the stealing the katana thing like literally uh, a day later
1: well uh i had forgotten it yes uh but no it's i'm trying to remember i think he's like uh he's showering or something he's doing some army stuff and a guy's like hey frank you're not gonna go to that kumite right and he's like uh and they're like frank the boss says you can't go to the Kumite. And he's like, ah, I think I'm going to go to the Kumite. And they're like, oh, Frank, come on, buddy, you can't. And then he like jumps out a window or, you know, he, he secretly leaves with his ninja skills. Yeah. They look away for a second. And he's gone. They're like, fuck, you went to the Kumite. Uh, but then <laughs> there's a really long flashback that is framed as just Frank, like kind of just like staring off idly into the distance like as he JD recalls from yeah as he recalls like his entire life up to this point which involved uh breaking into a dude's house with some other kids uh that he i guess is not very close to he doesn't speak to them at no. all and they're like come on frank quit standing around they try to steal a katana uh they get they get caught the other kids run and he just stands there uh doesn't really react to anything that's happening around him and the uh cool expert martial artist who's home there and he like swings the katana at him really close to his face and frank doesn't flinch because again this is based on uh the lies of a dude who's like yeah then i was gonna return the katana to him because i have a lot of honor and he swung it at my face but i didn't detect any killing intent so i didn't flinch and that proved to him that i had a warrior spirit so he swings the katana and then he's like huh you have a warrior spirit and then he agrees to train him.
0: The best part of this is that Frank Dux, Dukes tells this story uh, where it's like, I want you to know that I was even a badass child before my balls dropped. Uh, and that kid does that impression of Jean-Claude Van Damme taking away anything badass about that story.
1: Oh, yeah. this uh, the I assume Belgian, uh, like French kid uh, that they get to play young Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, is... With all respect to the kid, not a great actor and not very badass.
0: <laughs> I feel like he's an American kid trying to do Belgian.
1: Oh, is that what it is? He's he, Like he's maybe just an American kid and they told him try to sound like Jean-Claude Van Damme.
0: And he's struggling.
1: Yeah. In any case, it doesn't, doesn't play as cool so much as just like a kid who doesn't know what's happening around him. Uh, but he uh, goes through a lot of grueling training to become a master martial artist uh, and then... Uh, vows to represent his master in the <coughs> Kumite because his master is sick. He's on his deathbed, and, and his son died, and his son died. So Frank is the only one who's carrying on uh, his his style of martial arts. Uh, and so yeah, he 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 goes awol. He goes awol. He uh, just th- th- just flees the army, and they send agents after him. Uh, military police, I assume. And it's uh, Forrest Whitaker and and the other guy. What's his name? the other guy, norman burton norman burton there you go she's got (laughs) she's got it uh those two chase him all over hong kong uh and you get some really wacky chase scenes intercut
0: by dope kumite shit yeah romantic subplot
1: the wacky chase scenes are so uh intentionally wacky and like inexplicably so because these dudes Frank are like
0: is getting away from the
1: cops. Yeah, they, they're do, just do, like, We're do, gonna do, arrest do, you, Frank. Do, 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 do. We're gonna shoot you with a stun gun and arrest you and put you in prison. Like what you're doing is is extremely illegal. Frank
0: and, just jumped a fence and yeah. not a car.
1: <laughs> and every time he like gets ahead of them, he'll like stop and kind of mug. He'll like do a little pose and be like, can't catch me. And they're like, Frank, we're gonna fucking arrest you. And he's like, No, you're not. And then uh spoiler, they don't because it turns out that... They never fucking do. No, because Frank Dukes is too badass to be arrested. Eventually, they all realize, like, we can't stop him. We just have to go cheer for him at the Kumite. So they do. Uh, And, yeah, the the Kumite, the reason you're here, the titular blood sport that's happening is an underground, no-holds-barred, full contact martial arts tournament. Uh, And I love it because this was, uh, you know, before... The first uh, UFC and obviously like long before UFC became like a, a mainstream promotion and like mixed martial arts became like a widely accepted and mainstream uh sporting event. So the idea of a quote unquote full contact martial arts tournament, they keep emphasizing that because it's a real big deal because if you did... Uh, you know say karate at the time uh you know it was like oh you don't like punch the face with a closed fist or whatever like yeah. oh you only strike the body uh so yeah the, the way they keep emphasizing like full contact is is kind of funny to watch through a modern lens because you're like there's a lot of full contact martial arts tournaments <laughs> i would i would argue that most are
0: <laughs> i literally remember when the ufc started to be a thing people being like <gasps>
1: Oh, yeah, no, my family was so into, like, early UFC when my it was, like, weird was and stupid. My family was by it. Oh, really?
0: Because we were a boxing family, like a right, traditional, right. Old, no, like, like, we were a traditional old-school boxing family. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of the UFC was, like, terrifying to, like, you know, my whole family that would, like, gather, you know, like, 50 people to watch a Mayweather right. fight or something. So when the UFC happened, they were like, oh, my God, it's murder. It's a real fucking blood sport, Like, <laughs> i remember them getting like panicky about it
1: (laughs) i feel like i feel like my family yeah no that's fair i feel like my family was like holy shit it's a real blood sport (laughs) and got really hyped and mine were like Uh, lock
0: your kids it's a real blood sport
1: uh no we were like crouching around the tv for those early dumb events um in which, uh, what was his name? Fucking Hicks and Gracie. Uh, cause the Gracie's like kind of fixed the early UFCs. Oh yeah, big time. And he would just sort of like walk up, grab him around the waist, sit down. and Nobody knew what to do. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. The, the titular blood sport, the Kumite, in which they invite martial artists from all around the world Uh, who all including
0: Ray Jackson who I fucking dress like
1: including Ray Jackson who yeah you literally like have like a sleeveless Harley Davidson shirt you have those boots like
0: those jeans yeah
1: you dress a lot like that haircut you dress a lot like several characters in the movie Bloodsport and I'm wondering oh have a little
0: tank top and a windbreaker too with dress pants
1: I'm actually like wondering in retrospect if that was like the subconscious thing that was happening when we met (laughs) is that you just dress like several characters from Bloodsport and I was like what a woman (laughs) and now we're married. And
0: now we're married cuz everybody wants to marry Ray Jackson, large idiot. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, He's great Frank, regardless.
1: Frank meets Ray, who is the other North American uh competitor, and I love it because Ray I don't think is from any school of martial art. He never says <laughs> like, yeah, I do Shotokan Karate or like my sensei is so and so. Uh, he's just a bouncer yeah and like none of his fighting style uh, is he's just large he, Ray big yeah Ray is big and he makes it pretty far in the Kumite he could have beaten uh, Chong Li imagine
0: Ray with training
1: yeah I mean or just a Ray who doesn't like showboat so much because literally he has Chong Li on the ropes and then yeah. he <laughs> in an incredible moment he hits him like one time and then turns his back to him and yells he's dead <laughs> <laughs> Which is Ray? Absolutely not the case. But also, like, wh- what are you basing that on, man? Like, yeah. usu- usually, when you do that move, does it kill people? I think he just. I'm assuming him.
0: it does. But he, I'm like, assuming Ray's killed before, right? Just by b- the virtue of being there.
1: Yeah, that's his move. That usually, like, one hit kills a guy. So he's just like, I know what happens now. He's dead. Uh, bad move, Ray. Bad move, Ray. Because strongly uh... built different.
0: Yeah, it, you, you get Apollo created real fast.
1: Yeah, so yeah, the, the Kumite has a, a villain played by uh, Bolo, Bolo Young who uh, was... Incredible. Incredible, he was, yeah, anytime... Everybody
0: wishes they can have a Chong Li in their fucking movie. Yeah,
1: he is, he is the blueprint, man. He is such a great martial arts movie villain. Chong Li is like... Uh, Like, for as much as you love to see Jean-Claude doing the splits uh, and, like, doing flips and, like, all these, like, really graceful uh, kicks and cool moves, uh, Chong Li is, like, maybe the most uh, enduring thing from this film because, yeah, Bolo is just a mountain of a man. He's got the biggest pecs I've ever seen. Also,
0: his face acting is marvelous.
1: Yeah, because he, can... he
0: he presents sadism really well.
1: Yeah, it's very clear that he loves like stomping on guys' heads and breaking legs and cracking. And hearing necks. his
0: name when he does it.
1: Yeah, and he's yeah. So Bolo's whole thing is that he knows that he can like get away with murdering people here, and he just fucking lives for it. So he'll like knock a guy out. He's clearly won the fight, but then he'll break the guy's neck anyways, and everyone's like, nah, like they're not. Most people are not like fans of it, but Bolo's like, what are you going to do? I'm winning. These are the rules. Uh, so, yeah, Chongli, incredible villain. And he, yeah, definitely like with his face acting, sells sadism and evil. And like, he's this unstoppable force, but he also is like kind of a shithead in a way that I like. He'll like, like, cover one nostril and like shoot out some snot and just be like, yeah, fuck you. In a way that like. He feels like a schoolyard bully. He
0: feels like a Stephen King bully.
1: Yeah, no, he really does. He's like, if like the kids from fucking uh, Derry, Maine, and it just got super jacked and learned and then martial Voltroned
0: arts. together. Yeah,
1: if they all became one super stacked bully.
0: It's Chong Lee. <laughs> just a
1: brick shit house of a bully. <laughs>
0: We this is a very pro Chong Li household. Yeah, we love Chong Li. <laughs>
1: uh, we we're not uh, generally fans of bullying, but I mean, <laughs> you're not gonna argue with Chong Li. No. I mean, I don't know if I if I saw him give someone a wedgie, I'd be like, right on. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell him to stop. He's Chong Li.
0: Look, uh, to to love either genre is to love some real pieces of shit. That's true. Um, but uh, I I very much love him paired with Jean. Like Jean Claude Van Damme, because they're such good visual foils for each other as well, in terms of like, one is like lean and graceful and, and, and you know, very, very like dancer body, like a buff Yeah, Gene yeah, Kelly. He's very like
1: lithe, you yeah. know.
0: And Chong Lee is so like the shape of a guy you know is here to fuck shit up.
1: Yeah, Chong Lee is a dude that like, I don't. Uh, His build to me says, like, I don't expect that he knows how to fight. I don't think that he's ever, like, taken a boxing lesson or, like, I I don't think he does Brazilian jiu-jitsu or anything. But I'm not going to fight him because look at him. Because look at him. He's a dude that's never had to learn how to fight because every time he's ever been in a fight, he picks somebody up by their face and throws them like a softball. Because he can. (laughs) Because he can.
0: And, like, uh, I, I adore a lot of the fights. In this and there's also a romantic somewhat. Um also And then eventually somewhat. they like catch up to yeah, him and they're like, Yeah, you can't uh, fight in the kumite and then he's the, he's like, Yes, I am, and they're like, Okay, that's fine. Yeah, we'll make sure for him um, at They all cheer for him at the kumite. I don't I don't know. There's some but other stuff. The fights. But then we get back to the fights. Um the the thing that I love where it's just like, ooh, he's such a good shithead. Um, is you get those moments with, you know, he's he's in the hospital, and he's like, I'm gonna avenge him and I'm gonna fight Chong Lee And the fact that Chong Lee shows up, and on his fucking leg, he's wearing Ray's headband.
1: Yeah, he took Ray's headband off after he beat him and stomped on his head after he was down, which is definitely the point at which, like... I mean, if you you do that to somebody in real life, they for sure die. (laughs) Like, Chong Li just stomps on his entire goddamn head. Ray's
0: built like an ox, so it just kind of, you know, shakes up his Uh, noggin for a few days. Ray's just like,
1: all right, give me a bloody nose. Uh, But Chong Li was for sure trying to kill him. I guess, actually, they probably both did their, like, one-hit kill move to each other, and then both were surprised that the other didn't die. Yeah. I wonder if, like, Chong Li came to respect Ray after that. I like to think that he did. I think so. Um... Yeah, maybe they had a drink at some point, uh, but yeah, he shows up wearing Ray's uh, headband around his knee. Uh, Frank Dukes is enraged, and you know has to win this to avenge his friend Jackson. Which uh, obviously we're not doing a great job of explaining the plot. I think we're going fast and loose. Bloodsport doesn't do a great job of explaining the it's plot. True. I, I think...
0: love Bloodsport again. I love Bloodsport.
1: Yeah, I think that Bloodsport should be the premise of uh most if not all films yeah i genuinely believe the world would be a better place if most if not all films were 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 bloodsport yeah if they were just about a kumite you just you know you take different fighters from around the world they all have different styles one of them does like some kind of like you know monkey kung fu or whatever but similar
0: to a lot of jackie chan movies there's also a plot i guess
1: yeah there's a (sighs) muay thai guy uh which you love to see and I i do appreciate it because like you know looking back it's uh y- you know he gets beat by frank dukes cuz of course he's got to lose to dukes uh but he makes it pretty far in the tournament and looking back it's like that was like you know late 80s this was this was well before we had our ong box and our our protectors So as far as like Muay Thai representation in, you know, the U.S.
0: Hell yeah, Bloodsport.
1: Hell yeah, Bloodsport. He had a knockmoy in there with his his Muay Thai shorts. And you get a good scene where he's in the clinch and like, uh, you know, throwing knees. He's working in the clinch. It's good stuff. He throws a lot of elbows. You love to see it. JCVD has respect for Muay Thai. And uh, love that about him.
0: You know who doesn't have respect for JCVD? Chong Lee. Chong fucking Lee. Chong fucking Lee has no respect at all. To this final fight. And he shows up with a headband. And he shows up with a salt pill. Is that what it is? Yes, I looked it it's up. It's salt? It's salt. We thought it was Alka-Seltzer. I
1: thought it was Alka-Seltzer my whole life. I thought it was shape. a little antacid tablet. No, no. Yep.
0: Looked it up. Right here. Salt pill.
1: Salt, salt pill. Salt pill. Is that a thing? Likely. What is a salt pill?
0: I don't know. I had a salt lick that I would give Do my give rodents. Do you horse?
1: Okay. Yeah. Rodents.
0: It, it's got to be something for something. Um, but he has a salt pill. And he puts it in his waistband. And he crushes it. Little Frankie Duke's eyes.
1: Yeah, he throws the the salt, I guess, the powder in Frank Duke's eyes and blinds him,
0: which gives us my favorite scene in the whole movie.
1: What is your favorite scene in the movie? <laughs> ah! Oh, the sa- the Jean Claude sound. Okay, this is uh, this is one of my favorite Jean Claude things because. As as you said before, he's not the traditional, like, gruff, grizzled kind of action hero that you expect to be, like, tough guy. He often, like, has kind of feminine affectations. And sometimes when he screams, his voice gets real high. Real <laughs> and high and real he, silly. He gets blinded and he does, like, a... Ah, oh. ah, <laughs> which is such a great reaction because you... <laughs> you expect your action hero to do like a no my eyes. God damn it, it's salt. <laughs> but instead, he falls to his knees and goes ah! But he remembers
0: his goddamn training. <laughs>
1: yeah, fortunately, he a lot of his training was blindfolded, which you don't expect to come up that often, uh but 90 minutes s- later, here it is. Time makes fools of us all. Uh, so yeah he did, did a lot of blindfolded training proceeds to beat the hell out of chong lee blindfolded uh also worth noting uh in an earlier fight against a large opponent uh he does the move uh that is now most famously johnny cage's move where he does the splits and punches him in the in the genital region uh does a little uppercut to the to the junk uh and Yeah, of course, uh, his entire character was kind of, you know, what uh, Johnny Cage was uh, based on. And the entire movie is kind of what Mortal Kombat was based on. Uh, And in that way, uh, 1988 Bloodsport is still a better Mortal Kombat movie than the recent Mortal Kombat movie that we got. We Uh, love you, Bloodsport. We love you, Bloodsport. Uh, I think my favorite part of Bloodsport is in the first fight of the Kumite between two... uh, Two fighters whose names I don't really remember. One is Parades or pa- parades. Uh It's I. It's it, I think it's like Parades. It's P A R something. Uh, but he's a big dude who ends up like fighting Chong Li later and like does oh, okay yeah. against Chong Li. Um, but yeah, he has the first fight of the Kumite, and he ends it by uppercutting the dude. But he does the uppercut and does like a full like 360 spin on it, like he's throwing a shoryuken, uh, and that's that's probably my favorite moment in Bloodsport.
0: Uh, fun fact about Bloodsport: it's also one of the few films uh, that were filmed. Par- uh, parts of the film were filmed inside the Kowloon Walled City.
1: Holy shit! They yeah, because they talk about Kowloon, they like reference it, and the the dude who's kind of like the rep- the. Uh, ambassador for the kumite for north america is like i'm taking you guys to kowloon it's like a, it's an outlaw city where crazy shit happens i didn't assume that it was any part of it was actually filmed inside of because kowloon frank dukes is involved that's true you assume
0: everything's a lie yeah
1: well i i mean i guess what i should have realized is that because frank dukes was involved he's like trust me i got connections in kowloon they'll get us in but they actually went to Game I and mean, Wals- yeah. Maybe it's tr- all right. Maybe everything Frank Duke said is true. And maybe Dim Mac is real. Maybe I got to just, uh, you know, eat my hat on that one. Yeah. So uh, uh, we were seeing uh,
0: Dim Mac fighters coming to our house.
1: No, let let them come. Nope. Let them come. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, yeah, Cali in the Walled City. Uh, again, whole other episode of another podcast that doesn't exist uh, hosted by us. Uh, but. F- fascinating thing that existed uh, and everybody if you're not familiar with Callan the Walled City uh, or uh, also known I think as like the Outlaw City uh, look it up read a Wikipedia page uh, that shit was wild there was also an arcade in Japan that was uh, modeled to look like Kowloon, the Walled City, but was just an arcade.
0: Oh, you and showed it, me this video. It
1: looked incredible and like closed down a couple of years ago. And I was really disappointed because I, when I heard about it was the news that it was closing down. And I was like, damn it. Uh, anyways, Kowloon is rad. Bloodsport is rad. Jean-Claude is my dad.
0: Uh, so, Elijah... Yeah. Speaking of movies that resonate deeply in personal and weirdly timely ways.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Speaking of uh, the films that raised us.
0: What have you chosen to pair with my selection, Bloodsport?
1: Yeah. What's funny is that I'd, this was not intentional. Uh, I wasn't like, oh, you chose a movie about my childhood. I'll choose one not about, neither one necessarily is about our childhoods. Um I got beaten up a lot. I guess that's somewhat. <laughs> I mean like kickboxer is
0: the one where you're like, I did that shit. Yeah,
1: for sure. Uh but no, this uh I, I wasn't trying to like match your nostalgia pairing with another nostalgia pairing. Uh in fact actually uh be, I I give I give credit uh not because I want to, but because uh he is a listener as well and I feel like he'll call me out publicly if I don't. Uh, Enemy of the podcast, Ken Hanley, uh, (laughs) helped with this one uh, because initially my pick was going to be Battle Royale. And I maintain that Battle Royale is a fantastic pick for Bloodsport. But after running it by a couple of people, they argued that it is not a horror film. I disagree, if only for the lighthouse scene. Uh, So that's an alternate pairing for this. But uh, Ken Hanley, enemy of the podcast, after shooting down Battle Royale, recommended this film. Uh, and I had to agree that it's a very great choice. So my pick as a horror pairing for Bloodsport is <laughs> from Dusk Till Dawn.
0: Uh, Yeah. So talk about weird full circle shit. Um, yeah. I mean besides tell, tell me
1: about how this movie is your dad.
0: So uh we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but like a lot of Elijah's deep movie knowledge and just affection for talking about the stuff came from his mother. Um my mom knows almost nothing about genre, but it's entirely her fault that I love it uh because when i was a kid she would work insane graveyard shifts that were also insane shifts so we very rarely saw each other and when we did she was wiped so the easiest thing to do was go to blockbuster or go to the movies with me and then just watch a lot of movies uh even like on tv while she did my hair because like truly it didn't matter to her what it was if i thought it looked interesting she'll just watch it she just loves movies um, and we would also go to the movie Land Wax Museum, which is where my horror affections started. So, like already at the base, m- my mother exists for movies in general. Uh, and then we get to From Dusk Till Dawn. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this uh, is likely my first Robert Rodriguez movie. It was probably El Mariachi, but it might have been like younger before I would have loved it more.
1: Right. I feel um, like for for a lot of uh, actually, like it's
0: likely why my mom picked it because she knew him.
1: Right. That makes sense. I was gonna Not, say like knew I, him, knew him, knew re- the movie. Yeah, yeah. I I was gonna say I think for like uh, a lot of uh, like Latino families, El Mariachi was something that like like we saw but like maybe didn't appreciate necessarily as like you know oh like robert rodriguez indie filmmaker but was like a thing that was on tv and we're like this is cool i think <laughs> um, it was
0: just on all the time to yeah where it like always kind of permeated i
1: remember it being on tv a lot when i was a kid
0: i do too because my mom talked about antonia banderas in a lot so like very well, likely he, was,
1: he wasn't in it till uh, desperado sorry oh God, because desperado had also existed right, right, by yeah, this yeah. point
0: um and she had mentioned having seen all of them because she was like, there's the guy, and then there's the Antonio Banderas guy. Uh, yeah. Because it's my mom, so she's not going to tell you which movies she watched. She just knows it's a series of movies right. that she likes, and it's got these guys. Um. And uh, so this is also like again likely she, it, those were ones that she very likely like watched with my older siblings, and I was like too small and squishy to really like love it. But uh, we were in Florida in a house where it was just uh her and me because the rest of family was off doing something. I don't know why. But we got caught up in a hurricane. And so my mom and I were like, all right, we're just bunkering down, just the two of us for the next day or so, and then we'll meet up again. And uh, she was braiding my hair, because that's an activity that we always had, because I've had giant curly hair that she barely knew what to do with most of my life. And she sees this movie, and she's just like, oh, Robert Rodriguez, cool. Um, My mom hates bloody movies, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't like horror movies. My sister, Haiti took her to see Hostel and we're both banned from ever showing her a horror movie ever again. Uh, but when we sat down to watch this movie, she did not move. <laughs> she barely spoke to me the entire time and she adored it. Hell yeah. And I loved it. And the second I loved it and the second the rain let up.
1: Wait, wait. Was your mom... Did your mom, uh, like most people of the of the time... Have a crush on George Clooney. Obviously, she's had like
0: a forever crush on Clooney, and this like cemented it further. So
1: these are both movies that we watched with our mothers, uh, while they like openly lusted over George Clooney. Like both
0: of our moms openly lusted over George Clooney. Well,
1: and and my mom with Bloodsport and jean Claude. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: and like um, we uh, (laughs) when we later met up with my dad, I would not stop quoting the like pussy scene. The, like, the velvet pussy. a like, uh, uh,
1: carnival barker. Twin that, yeah. pussy.
0: But the thing is, we watched it on television because it was on. So I, like many people that watch <laughs> things on TV before they watch it on a movie, only knew it as Kitty. <laughs> So I'd run around and be like, velvet kitty, stinky kitty. Like, just doing that in the kitchen. <laughs> Every and ma- kitty. Every kitty. Yeah. Uh, apple pie kitty. That was the one I said the most. And my dad apple didn't know what I was saying. Kitty. And I didn't know what I was saying because it was fucking censored. But yeah. my mom would have to drag me out of the kitchen because she's just like, he's going to fucking find out that you watched something <laughs> filthy like and bloody with me. a young
1: child running around the house yelling different types of kitty. Because
0: <laughs> I thought he was talking about cats. <laughs> like cats,
1: yeah. It's like it wasn't until
0: I was older and I watched it uncensored and I was like, Oh like, my God. Like,
1: yeah. What kitty dry kitty,
0: apple pie <laughs> kitty. That's adorable. That's great. Literally. It wasn't until years later that I was like watching it at a party and it wow. fucking knocked my, ha- it blew my hair back. And I was just like, I Oh my God. That. Um, didn't realize that I was just being a filthy little child. Uh, but as soon as I saw this, it like kicked off me being like, who made this, who made this and how, uh, And, you know, she eventually we like went to the video store and started renting more Robert Rodriguez shit. Um, And I started like looking stuff up about him because I was a child in the Internet age so I can Google shit, but it took forever. Uh, And I like found out about, you know, who he was and how he like made shit. And it was this like incredible filmmaker on shoestring budgets, like doing things better than anybody else had and was a Latino filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I, you know, I I grew up trying to like make squibs or set things on fire and film it uh, and, and rambling about the stuff that I love. And I remember telling my dad, like I'm going to go to film school. And he was like over my dead fucking body. Um, (laughs) And, my I dad, mean, I I feel
1: like he did. He did save the you that, there. Like he did save me. Like because I think you know, I would have learned. Yeah, exactly. Anything. Like it's for the best <laughs> that you didn't go to film school, it's regardless of what his intentions were.
0: It's for the best, and um, because also you know like immigrant parent terrified of like you doing something that'll like lead to the poorhouse for yeah. you. Um, and so I like put that away forever, and I put having anything to do with like the film industry or like making things or you know just. In general movies, like in this part of my brain that was just like, yeah, that's dumb ludic like ludic- like lunacy. Although he did, he was just like, and no more of those Robert Rodriguez movies, they're making your brain crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> they're
1: making your brain He literally brain- was <laughs> just
0: like, he was like, lavando tu coco. It means like brainwashing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Um, and so my sister and I snuck out to go see Grindhouse. Um, and so I put that away forever. And then I've had like a million different careers since. Um, And then uh, I auditioned for a thing completely blind. I didn't have an agent and I like wasn't really like I wasn't a a known personality or really anything. Um, And I was told that it was just going to be a regular old podcast talking about movies. And I auditioned like four times to where I was honestly getting kind of annoyed about it. Yeah. Um, But spoiler alert, that thing was a hosting job talking about movies on Robert Rodriguez's network, the El Rey Network, uh, on a show that he was ex- executive producer on. And I was a fucking nobody, and I got that part.
1: Hell yeah, you and, did. And
0: uh, I loved it. Uh, it's a show that like doesn't exist anymore, but you can find it on like Roku now, which is insane. Yeah, it's, it's streaming. Yeah, you it's can, in
1: syndication on the Roku n- network.
0: You can find me talking about horror movies and at the time saying I don't know anything about <laughs> martial art movies, which is later proven. Um, untrue, but watching this movie now is wild, especially hearing them say, like, we're, we're going to El Rey and yeah, all this yeah. other shit. Um, and seeing knowing that I saw that as a child and then having such a pivotal point in my future because it let me do all of the things I wanted to do. It let me start writing about movies. It let me start podcasting about movies. It let me have something to say, hey, I can work in production and I can fucking do this. And my parents are no one and I have no money for... But I love this. Sorry. I've had no. a really rough week when it comes to just doing the stuff that I love. But, like, I love it. I'm not ever going to stop doing it. But I love this. And I have nothing in my pocket. But I'm going to learn from the bottom how to do everything. I'm going to learn how to edit. And I'm going to learn how to write. And I'm going to learn how to shoot everything and I'm going to love my teams and treat my crews and the people that I work with like they're my fucking family because every time you ever make an episode of television or film something it's pure miracles that it happens every time you've ever seen a tv show or a movie it is a miracle that it happens and I love being that part of it and I don't even care if two people watch it or a thousand people watch it I love being a part of a team And having a crew and working through the trenches to do shit together. And I've also had the kind of week that uh, many minorities in the industry have to deal with, which is the fact that we have to be exceptional just to be regular. We have to give you more bang for your budget on a $5,000 film. Yeah. uh <laughs> we have to work with scrappy non-union crews to put out something as fucking amazing and lore creating and like just landing in the zeitgeist of horror history as as from dust till dawn we have to work so much fucking harder to be considered regular yeah uh but also like i i haven't i haven't fucking <laughs> i haven't been broken i haven't yeah uh the the crying is the exhaustion of like hearing like you know great job and like yeah you wear a lot of hats and and you put out a lot of fires but it's because i fucking had to right it's it's because i had to grow into an unflappable thing because nothing has ever been easy for me i've never had the ability to like cry at work and 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 you know, break down. I've, I've never had the ability to like stand up for one of my coworkers without being labeled as the problem case. But I also don't give a shit anymore. Uh, I, (laughs) because for all the dumb bullshit that happens for all the fact that I like still have to put up with the way, uh, Other people in the industry see me, or how they only see me as valuable if I can like provide them the connections that they want. The fact that I still have to deal with like men looking at me and asking if I'm scared of them, and by the way, I said fucking no. Uh,
1: Yeah, that's a real thing that happened at your real job. A coworker said, "Are you scared of me?" But like in an intimidating, like taunting way, which is absurd to me. When
0: I got El Rey, a network that is Latin based. White female comedians said I was a diversity hire Uh, on a Latino network. Uh, The people that asked who I knew or who I slept with to get something, I'm fucking doing better than you. Yeah. Uh, I've always had to just to be considered. And right. watching from dusk till dawn after having that week and knowing that it led to the thing that finally gave me something attached to my name to say, I've, I've been worth it this entire time and I don't need to prove it to you anymore, was really fucking cathartic. Hell
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I had to, had to give you a small round of applause for that. Uh, so,
0: anyways, I love this movie and every thundering badass that's in it. Yeah, because this you, is
1: you, you're giving some uh, some real Fred Williamson uh, as Frost or a uh, you know Tom Savini sex machine uh, energy this week. <laughs> <laughs> just telling people I ain't scared of you. Uh, <laughs> very proud of you for that. Which, again, side note, sorry, just the most ludicrous shit that i'm still just mad about this uh i forget exactly the context but you at work said like which of these two options would be easier like having you do this thing or having someone else do this thing and he replied well which of us are you more afraid of (laughs) which listeners imagine you were in your place of work And that is how you reply to a coworker, like, but the answer is fucking neither. Yeah, because
0: I'm going to protect my team no matter what.
1: Yeah, because they're out
0: there building shit with me. They're out there trying to make stuff with me, and I will make sure that they know that they are amazing and they are doing a great job. And I will cheer them up and I will fight for them. Yeah, because that's what you do when you're out there, try- even if it's dumb, even if you're fucking shooting a T-Mobile commercial, I don't give a shit. You mm. gathered with a bunch of strangers, the very specific ske- set of skills.
1: With the intention of making a with thing. With the
0: inter- intention of making something, and you made it to the end. And I think that's also what I love at the core of Des- From Dust Till Dawn, because there's so much, I'm a complete fucking stranger, we don't know each other, but right now, we are a solid team. Right yeah. now, we're dealing with a lot of bullshit. Right now, we're dealing with a lot of variables but we want to get to the same goddamn place so what are you gonna do to get me there
1: yeah that's true something i do appreciate is that there's not uh once once the team uh of of ragtag survivors Mm kind of comes together there's not a single moment of like disagreement argument amongst them of you know someone saying like why who puts you in charge you know i don't trust any of you they're all immediately like, yeah, we're on the same page. We're going to do what it takes to survive. We got each other's backs, uh, which is super refreshing because I feel like the usual formula for like a thing where there's like zombies or vampires or werewolves or whatever is like you have everyone kind of at each other's throats the whole time. And like the real danger. Throwing is, accusations yeah. and what we
0: have to do and what's actually going on. You, right. it's like you it's have just a, a missed
1: situation pretty fast. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a bunch of badasses who are like, ah, vampires, all right. But yeah, from dusk till dawn. It's uh, the the reason the reason I thought it
0: sounds so good and it ends so
1: good. It's a it's a perfect (laughs) film. Uh, The the reasons uh, that I chose it are the uh, you know ragtag group of different badasses, similar to the participants in the Kumite, all kind of like coming together from around the world for this one uh, ritualistic event. Uh, you know the the feeding at the uh, yeah. the titty twister in from <laughs> dusk till <laughs> dawn or the the kumite I'm sorry yeah the the name of the bar uh, <laughs> strip club in vampire have haven this. is called the titty twister i uh, have this reaction every day time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah a group of a group of uh you know characters with specialized skills all coming together uh, also, a film that starts with uh, a, an outlaw uh, sort of illegally crossing a border to, uh, you know, uh, for, for selfish reasons. Uh, and uh, yeah, ending up in a seedy underground place uh, with yeah, a group of uh, quick friends who have to uh, fight uh, some, some scary bad guys. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of similarities there. There's I'm a lot of similarities. I'm a little higher pitched as I go along. I got kind of So I'm going to hit the snooze button on the edge.
0: So uh, to me, there are two halves of this movie that are telling different stories, and they're not at all disconnected. They just very naturally flow from one to the other. You, you almost watch the passing of that baton happen from, like, I'm the main character now. Yeah. Uh, because at the beginning, you uh, start with the brothers, Seth and... Uh, I, I almost go- call him Lemmy every time.
1: Lenny from of my men. yeah. Uh, no, it's Frankie. Seth and uh Richard. Richard Rich Richie. Richie. Yeah. Um, Seth. I always want to say Gordon. Because their last name is Gecko, Gordon and I think the you know, yeah Gordon Gecko, though but it's
0: George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino playing himself. Um, yeah, it's but... Quentin Tarantino <laughs> very much playing himself.
1: Uh, he's There's a, a lot
0: of feet shit. He's a but, creep with uh, a foot
1: <laughs> fetish. But, uh... Uh, which nothing wrong with a foot fetish. You can you can absolutely have a foot fetish. He is a creep who also has a foot fetish. Just want to make that clear. I'm not saying he's a creep because of it. I'm saying he's a creep. He also has a foot fetish.
0: Richie has some shit, and Quentin what Tarantino. I Tarantino.
1: Has some shit. All right. (laughs) And
0: the conclusion that I've come to uh, is this is I don't know if it's intentional. I'm assuming that it is a the first half of this is a horror movie version of of Mice and Men. Yeah, Um, it absolutely is because from the way he reacts to richie who you know in the case of lenny of him i said men literally can't help himself and is just very strong uh richie can't help himself and it's terrifying because he's just an evil evil man yeah um but like the way he talks to him right down to like we're gonna go down to mexico and there's there's gonna be rosemary and like he, he very much talks to him yeah in, in that way and also has to be the one that takes him out um, yeah. so the first half of this movie is a dirtbag villain of Mice and Men, uh, because even Seth's responses to, like, the horrific stuff that Richie does, he's very much like, I'm not this, and yeah. I just keep trying to do my shit, and you right. keep he, doing your shit all over it.
1: So, so yeah, they, they're two, two criminal brothers, uh, who are on the run, uh, Clooney's character, uh, is... Is a professional thief, uh, a very sophisticated professional bank robber. Uh, his his brother, uh, Quentin Tarantino playing himself, uh, breaks him out, and uh, they they go on the run together. They're trying to cross the border to Mexico to meet with a contact who's going to like take them to El Rey where they will be safe and be able to you know live out the rest of their days uh, free from the authorities. Uh, with with all of his uh you know uh we we don't i don't think we know how much money he has but he's got like you know a lot of a lot of money that he made uh presumably enough to probably
0: live off in el rey for a while
1: yeah for sure uh but they're like basically on a on a murder spree and it becomes clear very quickly that like george clooney's character does not want to be killing all of these people but uh Quentin Tarantino uh, keeps just being like, oh, they were looking at me funny Ugh, and killing him. Uh, and you you realize pretty quickly that he definitely is like fully psychotic and has like paranoid delusions and stuff. And so every time he's saying like, no, he, he, he was trying to get help or like he, he tried to run and it's like he's obviously lying. You have a brief moment where it's like from his perspective and he's just like hallucinating a, a girl like saying things to him that she's definitely not saying. And so, uh, yeah, he's... He's, you know, uh, not uh, not healthy mentally, and uh, is killing a lot of people. George Clooney is very frustrated by it. Uh, amazing, Stop
0: snapping the bunnies' next. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, they end up uh, <clears throat> coming across. Oh. Sorry,
0: I do need to point out that the way this opens is magnificent.
1: Yeah, no, the the. Opening I didn't want to get too far perfect. from it. Yeah, yeah, good.
0: Because the opening very much. Uh, is the few seconds that you get of trying to put together what's happening before it just goes gas pedal for the rest of the movie. Because yeah. it's such a mundane like conversation where it's just like, there's a weird fucking super sheriff, I guess, that's just like. Yeah, it's like a this con- gas
1: station convenience store. Yeah. The, sheriff, the small town sheriff talking to the small town convenience store owner. And it's about, very like, long, not very much. And yeah. it's very
0: meandering, and you're just kind of wondering what you're there. And he, he very much has, like, main character presence to where you're assuming you're going to be with this fella for a while. And the second he goes to the bathroom, you realize, oh... It's these two, yeah, who've been getting him, getting the gas station attendant to cover up for them while Richie insists uh, that he's signaling for help when he is most definitely not.
1: Yeah, something that I love is that uh, you know it, it goes to shit because of Richie. You know, Richie uh, ends up shooting the small town sheriff when he comes back out of the bathroom, and then starts shooting the guy behind the counter and is insisting like he mouthed help me, and I love the detail that even as the guy behind the counter is like in a shootout with them and like has been shot and the store is on fire, he's screaming, I didn't mouth, help me. He's <laughs> like, I didn't say shit. And I just, I, I love that, that he it's important to him that they know that this, that he was doing well. <laughs> like,
0: it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of little details throughout that. There's a lot of like little, like I won't let this go moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I adore and, uh, fun fact. So, uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez, uh, T- Tarantino wrote the screenplay. I don't know if you know this, but this was originally supposed to be the Demon Knight sequel.
1: Oh, like Tales from the Crypt, before uh, Billy Zane Demon Knight? Yes. Oh, Originally shit. Universal hit right. up Tarantino had Tarantino
0: to write this, uh, they, they uh not write this. They had seen the script and they were thinking of optioning it to be the next Tales from the Crypt movie, and then they instead went with Bordello of Blood. Right. Uh, oh. Which
1: is like sort, sort of similar vibes, right? It's vampires exactly. and, uh, yeah, vampires, sex workers, you gotta, yeah. All right. Exactly. Bordello of Blood, um, Titty Twister.
0: So that's, that's why those are kind of similar, but I'm also very happy that this was instead done by Robert Rodriguez. Because the, the 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 parts of like the Aztec vam- vampires and the very like Rodriguez world created right down to the band inside the twitty the titty twister yeah Tito um, and Trangela. and you know obviously very like Rodriguez moments but also I really really love it when a director also edits his own work because you can get those amazing moments like that scene where Richie initially like kills that woman and Seth is like losing his shit and there's like the flashes of gore yeah, in the between kind of, the like, slow subliminal,
1: like single frames as or he's whatever, just taking like, it all in at once yeah,
0: yeah, um that is very much just like yeah you knew what it was supposed to look like in your head and then you made it that um that yeah. i always love it's it's a, why a lot of people love edgar right because he like looks at his dailies every day and is very much the person that like oversees that edit um yeah. but uh it's it's so tightly paced because of this that the second you meet Seth and Richie you're like I think this is all the personality I can handle and then you meet what feels like the seemingly mild and boring family um until you start to get to know them more
1: right which uh yeah Harvey Keitel, the uh patriarch of of this uh family that kind of yeah uh inadvertently crosses paths with the uh, the Gecko brothers uh, and and becomes the uh the hostages who are uh tasked with smuggling them across the border to Mexico in their RV uh yeah harvey Keitel as Jacob the uh dad and like uh preacher who has lost his faith. he's a minister, but his uh wife died in a terrible car accident and he uh no longer uh can can bring himself to uh you know preach the the word of god. He uh, believes
0: in God, but he doesn't
1: love him. Yeah, he's like not not a god that could do this, uh which I get you. I feel that shit. Uh but I I really love uh th- this is one other uh, uh element that uh makes the link for me between Bloodsport and from Dusk Till Dawn is that Harvey Keitel and forrest Whitaker are both dudes that like when I'm rewatching the movie I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's you." And like you know, I very much remember the character of Jacob, but I kind of forget that, like, yeah, Harvey Keitel is in this.
0: And amazing.
1: Yeah, and amazing. Because the Boy, second you meet Jacob. he is an Jacob. actor. Holy shit. Exa- like,
0: yeah, because the second you meet Jacob, the second you meet Jacob... He out-interestings George Clooney.
1: Yeah, which is, like, hard to do because it's George Clooney with a neck tattoo and you're (laughs) like, all right, that's sexy. The second Uh,
0: he starts answering his questions about his life and the way he gives those answers and is very much just, like, the deals that they make with each other and how they make them, and when they get across the border, you realize that, like, Jake may be a gentle man, but he's not gentle
1: yeah no there's definitely like a like a darkness to him, but there's also like i man, I would love uh God and I say this not having watched the from Dusk till dawn series, which I should do at some point. I've heard mixed things the stand and more...
0: repeat was in my office for like a year
1: huh uh did you ever watch it yeah uh so <laughs> i've I've heard mixed things i I need to watch it at some point i i've This has happened to me a few times in, like, the last couple of years where I'll say, like... I was
0: working! I know,
1: but sometimes I'll say, like, oh, man, I wish that this thing existed about From Dusk Till Dawn, and I say it having no idea if, like, that does exist in the form of the series. Like, maybe this is entirely what the series is. I don't know. But I would watch an entire, like, prequel that is just, like, young Jacob because I feel like my headcanon for this character is he is a dude who, like had a rough life and like maybe did some dirt before he found God he's real good with that shotgun yeah he's real good with that shotgun but there's also just like something about the way he handles himself in like from the moment he has a gun pointed at him like every situation that they're in uh, and up to the point that they're like about to cross the border and George Clooney is basically telling him like if we get across the border we make it through the night tomorrow like you and your family walk away you never have to see us again and nobody gets hurt and he tells him like you need to convince me of that like I don't I don't trust you at your words so like what what reason do I have to make sure that you get across the border safely? And George Clooney you know kind of uh, tells him uh, you know Seth kind of tells him like hey, you know you don't I don't need to make you trust me just know that I'll shoot you if you don't uh, and like bad things will happen to your family, but he. He ends up by saying, like, you have my word and shakes his hand. And you kind of get this read that Jacob is a dude that, like, he's good at reading people. And he's yeah. like, all right, this dude is going to keep his word. And, like, that's that is the convincing and that he needed the whole time. Yeah. And he's like, you need to convince me. And I think sort of unintentionally, Seth does. And he's like, all right, cool. I trust. And so then later when they're crossing the border and his son is like, dad, we got to turn these guys in. They're going to kill us either way. He's like, no, they won't. And he's so confident. He's like, they're not going to kill us. Trust me. Like, And it's because, like, I looked in that dude's eyes. I shook his hand. Like, we're good. Yeah. And I just like, yeah, I don't know. He's such a compelling character. And he really does, like, kind of steal a lot of the movie. And it's hard to, like, it's hard to steal scenes in in this movie because once they get to the titty twister... <laughs>
0: You've got Cheech Marine for the second time in this movie. You've got Danny Trejo. You've got Tom Savini with the gun dick as sex machine. You've got Frost. You've yeah, got- Fred
1: Williamson.
0: All of the dancers in the fucking, like, uh Titty Twister. You've got Santico Pandemonium.
1: Yeah, Salma Hayek.
0: You have every Damn. incredible character Stunning. and a scene that is so- Centrally shot in the way that she moves and the music and the lights that it always feels like I'm lit by fireside and I mean it and you have all of these moments and still my favorite moment in the titty twister my favorite and again this is with Selma Hayek dancing this is with sex machine and his goddamn whip this is everything that comes out of Frost's mouth it's still the moment where I'm like Jacob is now the hero of the story Um, I mean Seth never really was he was the anti-hero but The moment where it's like, and now it's Jacob's story because Jacob is the thundering badass in the situation because, you know, Richie dies. So Seth checks out for a bit, uh, even though he is like still trying to stay alive. You have that interaction in which Seth is considering getting drunk and fighting a dude for disrespecting him oh
1: right right and this is like right before everything goes to shit we have vampires and stuff
0: and he's insisting everyone does shots and jacob's like why are you doing so many yeah and you can
1: tell he's like he's very like agitated he's very like wired and he like does shot after shot and keeps like pounding his hand on the table and jacob like reads that energy and he's like this dude's about to do something stupid like what's what's happening here everything's cool we made it to mexico why is he freaking out and you're waiting
0: for your connection and then jake i love jacob as the minister character because like while it does come in handy later for like you know we need you to make holy water we need you to like bless this and create a cross and whatever um this is actually in my opinion the first time him being a minister comes up as the swiss army knife uh it's because he knows exactly uh how to get a point across to the person that he's talking to because he looks at seth and asks him if he's so much of a loser he can't tell when he's won. Yeah. And reiterates is, it when he asks what he has said. Yeah. It's by so, his captor. It's
1: so well done and so well delivered like and it's a uh, fuck, I feel like it's a similar cadence to something that Harvey Keitel Oh, nope, never mind. I was going to say something that Harvey Keitel says in Reservoir Dogs, but I was actually thinking of the Michael Madsen line. Uh Oh. Are you going to mm-hmm. bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? And then he like repeats it. Uh, but yeah, Harvey Keitel saying, "Are you so much of a fucking loser that you can't tell when you've won?" And I, I love like the even like the de-escalation of it because Seth is like, "Did you just call me a fucking loser?" He's like, "No, I didn't make any declarative statement. I asked you a question." <laughs> it's like it's so well done
0: because it's that it's you're about to get in your own fucking way, dum dum. Yeah,
1: and and Seth is like, "You're right. Let's drink to that," and like calms down. And I do love that like. By the end of it, they are very much friends. They you know, are like
0: they recognize something in each yeah, other.
1: Yeah, and like the moment vampires happen, Seth is like Jacob, like where are you, friend? I just I I love it. Uh, but also, my favorite part because that's that's a great moment. It really is. My favorite part is when Tom Savini whose character is named Sex Machine turns into a vampire and then Fred Williamson squares up and says, "Come on, Sex Machine," because that's maybe the greatest line in movie history. <laughs> Those
0: two are amazing. And I love the vampire fight because you'd think like after the vampire fight like that's that's all, all of like the ragtag climax that we we're getting. I like that we spend some time with Sex Machine and Frost. Yeah, um, same. I, I'm bummed when we lose them, but that's just, you know, It's because you love those characters. That's
1: the other thing that, like, again, maybe the series already addresses this and I should watch it, but I would kill for just, like, the continued adventures of Sex Machine and Frost. I know they die in this movie, but, like, give me some absurd deus ex machina by which they're still alive or just give me a prequel that's not even about vampires and it's just them doing cool shit
0: which speaking of vampires i do adore that one of this movie is like i don't believe in vampires but those are vampires uh they just yes. say it and then they're over it and then it's, they move on
1: it is the best handling of like the first time you hear the word vampire is someone just like offhandedly being like all right, so these are fucking vampires. It's not like, what is that? I don't know, it couldn't be. No, they're just, and yeah. They, the
0: hot lady turned into a vampire, killed my brother, and then everything else became a vampire. Yeah,
1: and, and Seth addresses it with that fantastic monologue that he's like, I don't want to hear anyone say they don't believe in vampires because I don't fucking believe in vampires. These are vampires. Like, that's all you need to do. I feel like we, I, I, it's so rare to get a movie, I mean, I, I was going to say a movie like this, but like, a movie like from dusk till dawn does not exist. And it like has, has not for many years. Uh, not with this
0: energy, not no, the fact that it maintains the pace.
1: Yeah. And I mean that, like, I feel like it's very rare that you get something that is not based on an existing license. It is not based on a, an existing IP. It is not using, you know, pre-established characters. And you get this much like fun, radical shit in one, in one thing. Cause like, yeah, Sex Machine has a has a cod piece that turns into a revolver. He can just shoot out of his dick, and that and he doesn't. Th- there's no point at which someone's like, "Hey, why do they call you Sex Machine?" Or, "Hey, why do you have a dick cannon?"
0: My name is Sex Machine.
1: Yeah, he fights with a Next. bullwhip and a dick cannon, and his name is Sex Machine. And you're like, "Yeah, all right." And it's you know? Tom Savini, baby. Yeah, Fred Williamson rips a dude's heart out with his bare hand and he does it with the confidence of a dude who knows this is a move that he can do. Like And then
0: he sticks a pencil in yeah, it. Yeah.
1: Like he and he, he's just like, hey man, why don't you why don't you take on someone your own size? Rips his heart out effortlessly and you're like, that dude has ripped out so many goddamn hearts. And that's all the backstory I need. That's so all I hurts. need to know about him is that he can rip a guy's heart out with his bare hand confidently. And just the just the fact that like it introduces these characters, each one <laughs>
0: The band that are also vampires that are playing a corpse.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's no reason for them to switch to corpse when it's vampire time, but they do it and it rules. Like I I love every detail about this film and it's the kind of thing like we don't get these movies anymore.
0: We don't get mid budget fun fucking movies. That aren't trying to build off of a universe that aren't trying to
1: yeah it's not trying to launch a 15 film franchise it just is a a rad thing that exists it's
0: it's not trying to be something ma because even when it's not something that's like launching a franchise it's like let's punch a bunch of put a bunch of money into it and I, like i don't know space uh <laughs> like uh i I miss shit in the desert man. Oh yeah. I actually lived in El Paso for a long time, so That's right. And that's it,
1: another reason this movie is uh, a <laughs> it's all about you. <laughs>
0: How much of my life was yeah. spent on the border.
1: It's weird that your life is best And it was when I like, lived alone and was by, <laughs> from dusk till dawn.
0: <laughs> like this is my I did that shit. Yeah. Um but uh a, a character that I want to give flowers to because I adore her uh is Juliet Lewis as Kate. Oh yeah, yeah. As a child Who's a massive Juliette Lewis fan? Um, because of this and Kate Fear* and *Natural Born Killers*, uh, she was oh, just right. she was just a weirdo that I loved. Yeah, um, yeah. But in this movie, I also love how much you learn that like, like you know, Kate's like that. I'm not even 21. She's just like a young, a, a a young gal trying to like help out her dad. Her,
1: and her dad's uh, a minister.
0: And Kate is also built with the same instincts that her father has. Right. Where she's very good at immediately like you you can tell like Scott's kind of his baby and and Scott's the one that he's very like he's very tender with him and like he yeah, doesn't Scott's let a little Scott softer. drink. Yeah. Like, you know, sure. he's a little bit more okay with Kate drinking and when Scott drinks he's like hey, hey hey no. Um, so you know, Kate's a little older and wiser and he probably trusts her to like protect herself a little bit more yeah. confidently than Scott. Um and you see that? you see that from when she immediately like jumps on the toilet to like get border patrol away the speed at which she is like de- where she's like, I guess I got to stab a guy, but I'm going to learn. And like, has that yeah. great scene Um, right down to like, as she loses family members and like, you know, her father is bit and he's dying, but she like has to be the one that's just like, okay, I'm going gonna- to, I'll kill you when it, when the time comes. Um, Kate rises, to the occasion and it's not so much a coincidence I think because of the way it presents itself it was built in her the whole time
1: yeah no absolutely like she is uh like a fantastic you know sort of final girl but like you see so much of like yeah her father in her and also uh yeah great to write you know like a like a, a teenager or you know maybe she's 20 i don't know but just like i think a, she's 20 yeah but just like a a young character who uh just like is still capable and not an idiot and i i feel like
0: especially young women
1: yeah i feel like this movie uh basically just like trusts the audience a lot you know it doesn't uh you know, it, there's no, like, lengthy backstory that is, you know, the, the, they don't find, like, an old book that tells you why this bar is full of vampires. Literally the most you they, get is
0: you brought it up, the old Vampire Hunter gear.
1: Yeah, right. There's So it, it, they're, they're going through this back room, and the George Clooney's character, Seth, uh, I just keep calling him George Clooney, uh, but Seth is like, you know, very like offhandedly, all the exposition you need is just like, my guess is that they've been doing this for a long time. They've probably killed a lot of truckers. And this is like cargo they've kept over the years. So they're going through all these packages of just like boxes stolen from truckers. Uh, and then one of the items that they find is a is a coffin with a it's a coffin shaped box with a with like a cross uh, d- stamped on it. And you open it up, and it's got like a a semi-automatic repeating crossbow. And it's very clearly... It's loaded with wooden stakes. Yeah, it's very clearly some Van Helsing-ass shit. And at no point are they like, whoa, check out what I found. Hey, it's got an old journal. It looks like some old vampire hunter came through. It's like... They don't need to do any of that. Literally someone like it's part of a montage. They find the box. They open it. They're like, hell yeah. Crossbow. We have 108
0: minutes. Fucking get to that yeah. part and let's get to the fight.
1: And just the, the trust that it has for the the audience to see that and independently think, oh, I guess at some point in the past, a vampire hunter came through here. They must have killed the vampire hunter. Like, that's tight. And it, uh, yeah, you introduce a dude like Sex Machine, and l- you don't have to explain him. You don't have to explain who Fred Williamson is. Like,
0: It's like how tight a Men in Black script is. Do we need yeah. all the backstory on the agents, or can we just tel- talk about the aliens?
1: Right, and I, I just, I don't know. I love a movie that trusts the audience enough to just make those connections and to not need to be like spoon-fed a lot of superfluous exp- explanation and exposition. I guess these
0: vampires blow up. Yeah, they're just
1: they're vampires. They're this spooky. one melts. This one melts. <laughs> they're they're goopy. Sometimes it's green stuff.
0: Sometimes a vampire melts. Sometimes Jean-Claude Van Damme does this splits on a building for no reason. Yeah. Why put it in there? Cuz it's fucking red. That's why.
1: Dim Mac. Dim Mac. And that's the thing. I I find Dim Mac hilarious conceptually and I have a lot of fun uh ragging on like practitioners of like fake real life ones. Made up things. Yeah, in real life. Uh, in a movie I love it. fuck yeah dim mac give me me all that dim mac i want it i want dim
0: mac and vampires are the same Uh, thing if you tell me that you're a fucking vampire
1: i'm gonna assume it's emotional yeah (laughs) (laughs) no that's fair (laughs) that's fair oh boy Uh, that's a a whole other can of worms uh i'm gonna
0: make Elijah eat an actual can of worms no (laughs) don't you're gonna go no we don't have worms we've just got lawn grubs that's true. We just started gardening this week. We
1: started gardening. We have lawn grubs. I think they're cute. Apparently they're bad for gardens. They're all, they're small though, and they got a lot of legs, and I like that. Uh, <laughs> Elijah's also, a real bug guy. Also, shout out to uh John Saxon, uh, who is in this film as an FBI agent. We I love think John he's Saxon.
0: The actor that's been in the most movies we've covered.
1: Quite possibly. He's an extremely kicking and screaming man. He does judo. We stand at Judoka, an extremely real martial art.
0: Talk about something about uh, From Dusk Till Dawn real quick while I really quickly count how many movies he's been in. I think only
1: three. Uh, but, yeah, I love From Dusk Till Dawn, and I wish that more shit like this existed. Uh, I guess, like, Alita Battle Angel similarly has, like, a crew of cool and interesting people I really but liked Alita Battle Angel. I liked Alita a lot, but, you know, obviously is adapted from a manga and was intended to have sequels, uh, you know, and I, like... I wish that uh because yeah even Robert Rodriguez himself is not making things like from dusk till dawn anymore. Uh and I just I I wish that was still happening. Uh but yeah, eventually everyone uh except for uh the the daughter uh Kate and uh Seth Gecko, uh everyone else is killed. Uh there's the amazing beat at the end where Cheech uh coming back as a third separate character. Uh shows up and he's like the contact that recommended this location and of course Seth is furious and is like you set us up to be eaten by vampires and you learn that he had never actually been there he just picked a bar and was like yeah I don't know I drove by it seemed like a cool place uh which is the best possible like button at the end of it that it's like it literally was just a random pull and was so unfortunate um and then yeah you have the great kind of reveal where like after they drive away uh you know Kate and Seth going their separate ways he gives her a huge stack of cash to start a new life cuz uh you know he's cuz he feels bad they both they have that good moment where he's like hey I'm I'm sorry and she's like me too cuz they both, both just
0: kind of weepy and look yeah, at each other they just
1: both lost family uh but yeah they drive off uh you know they they leave in separate directions and then uh you get this amazing like camera pulls back to reveal that the other side of the titty twister which like faces just a just a canyon uh yeah is this like ancient uh pyramid this uh yeah has has clearly been there for a very long time the canyon is full of just like discarded trucks and wreckage and presumably skeletons and such uh which is just very cool image and yeah it's a film that does an amazing job of like building out and introducing a ton of like incredible characters, each one of whom could be like their own hero or protagonist of an action franchise, uh, and also uh, building the super-rich vampire lore uh, without really having to explain most of it. It, t- it shows you a lot without having to tell it, and goddamn, From Dusk Till Dawn is a good movie. Goddamn. Did also, he's Jones tied Jackson, with our Wikipedia other actor page?
0: for the most... Oh, 3 and 3. I thought it was 4, but it was a movie that I almost picked and I didn't uh, uh Tenebrae. Uh oh, I love Tenebrae. We'll uh, do it at some point. Which we have to at some point. Yeah. Actually there's uh, I counted there's about 15 possible kicking and screaming movies. Yeah, that he's he was a in. big kick um, and screamer. For either one cuz was also in Enter the Dragon. Nice. Um but he's currently tied with Robert England for I think actor that appears the most in all of oh, our movies. Okay. Cuz we've got Don uh Two Nightmares two and nightmares. then um
1: Behind the Mask. Behind the Mask. I, I feel like there be one more. I think there's one more that has Robert England. Oh, uh, I know what she did last summer. He's a professor.
0: Did we do that movie? Uh,
1: No, not I Know What She Did Last Summer. Uh, Urban Legend. Oh, I Urban confuse Legend. I All right, yeah. so
0: right now, number one is Robert England, and number two is John Saxon.
1: Okay, John Saxon with three. Uh, Eco has been in three as well because we've done The Raid one and Joe two. Joe Taslim too And from, uh, Night Comes for Us. Joe Taslim's been in uh The Raid and Night Comes for Us, yeah. So
0: Joe Taslim is currently tied with... um. It's another one that we just did. That's an well, I mean, action once, guy. mean, once once we get down to Scott two, Atkins. we've
1: got some other. Yeah, I was gonna say once we get down to two, I feel like you know we've done a few Samos, we've done you know like multiple Jackies. Uh,
0: Samo might actually be higher up.
1: Samo might be higher because we got wheels, we got a uh, Encounters of the Spooky Kind, Magnificent Butcher, is at least three. All right, we're we're covering some bases here. You know who we haven't done enough of, uh, which is a lie. We've had him on a few, but I'm saying it anyways uh gently because my uh challenge to you for next week oh uh, is gonna be fist of legend because i chose it a while back oh, and you then bitch i think i chose it a while back and then uh, it wasn't streaming we oh wait is that why yeah oh shit why do i keep us it should be streaming why is it not streaming? it's how is this movie not readily available everywhere Okay, fine. Maybe that's not my pick. I really <laughs> oh, want to talk no, about pumpkin. Fist of Legend because it shreds. Yeah,
0: we tried to, and we even had a, like a, like a pairing I thought we ready got, for like, it.
1: I thought we got derailed by like uh, scheduling, or I like, No, we looked it, it up, and it wasn't on anything, Fudge. which is why right. we
0: changed it to Hydra. And you were looking for a reason to talk about about hydra anyway. I
1: think because it's getting late, I, for some reason, just censored myself and went fudge instead of saying fuck. Because for a moment there, I thought this was a podcast where I wasn't allowed to swear. Don't know why. It's 1 a.m. And I was just like, oh, heck, fudge. Can we get a fuck
0: counter for me? I was like,
1: wait, no, we're allowed to say that. (laughs) We make the rules.
0: I think I even fucked while I was crying. God
1: I can't believe. You I fucked cried. while you were crying? No. On air? I can't believe I
0: fucking Good Lord. I think it's the hardest I've ever Adultery cried. Adultery while crying on
1: a podcast. Jesus. No, um, but you, you dropped some F bombs while you were crying. That was the hardest you've cried on the podcast. Oh god damn it. Yeah. I mean, uh, is this the new crying episode?
0: <laughs> crying episode two of I, electric
1: boogaloo. Nice. Hey. Break into electric boogaloo fun uh, full circle moment. Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, was background dancer in Breaking 2. He was credited, I think, as homosexual dancer. Amazing. (laughs) So good. And
0: the snack pairing uh, that you'll be getting at intermission for the, we haven't named this double feature yet, double feature, uh, is apple pie for apple pie kitty, which is what I wouldn't stop repeating until I learned it was pussy. Um, And it might just be my uh, gamer tag for the rest of my life. Uh, and, uh, also I feel like both movies are, uh, done by, done by people that aren't like what you would think as, as like a, a real American made movies. And these are two things that have been woven into like the fabric of just American films. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I get real apple pie feelings about it. So I apple agree. pie for apple pie kitty and also just what these two movies are to me. A and bit.
1: uh <laughs> Calling it the hot dad double feature because George Clooney and Jean-Claude Van Damme were kind of our dads. Well, <laughs> Robert Rodriguez was kind of your dad as well.
0: A little bit. So we're calling this the hot dad double feature. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, oh, hey, quick side note. Actually, speaking of uh, father figures in a uh, sincere sense, uh, not uh, particularly hot dads, but just, uh, you know, uh, patriarchal father figure uh, role model types. Uh, you had mentioned that this was potentially like, this was like your kind of, uh, discovering Robert Rodriguez, uh, moment. Uh, and, and for me it was, uh, uh, El Mariachi, but it was, uh, definitely on TV a lot, but the, the moment at which I was like, oh, the guy who made this and he did it on a shoestring budget and it's very impressive and like how, like it turns out people can just make movies and that's a thing. Uh, it was a, a fellow that my mom dated for a while. Oh my God. who, yeah, himself was just, like, really into movies in a way that, like, I don't know. I I would imagine uh, that this is probably familiar to, uh, you, you know, or relatable to, like, some listeners of the podcast. But uh, it's that thing where, like, I had always, like, watched a lot of movies and enjoyed a lot of movies, but had not ever considered, like, oh, I'm into film or, like, oh, I'm, like, into horror movies or whatever. I just, you know, watched a lot of horror movies and that was stuff I liked, but it kind of like takes the first time a person is like, oh, are you into this thing that I'm into that you have to kind of stop and take stock? And you're like, I, I don't know. I guess I am. I don't. I mean, I've seen them. I don't know anything about them. And then you like start talking to someone who's like, no, no, but like, you know, this director and this director. And that's when you start to realize like, oh, I am into this like it's not like a thing I've identified about myself as like a like a personality trait or a thing that like matters to me but like no it definitely is and uh he was you know kind of the f- the first person who made me realize that uh because he's a dude who's really into film and he was uh from like a small town in Texas and yeah loved Robert Rodriguez and uh yeah like introduced me to his films when I was pretty young and was just like yeah man you gotta like watch all these and you got to read this book and you got to watch all the commentaries and like you know oh like when Rodriguez talks about this part he calls it you know this and like I remember him even uh referencing like uh there's a scene in maybe Desperado where like there's a dog in the scene and Rodriguez had said like uh the only reason there's a dog there is because he needed something to cut away to sometimes so he like added a dog because he realized he didn't have like another thing to cut to so he just needed and, the coverage yeah and so then he would like refer to like w- when that was a thing in other scenes it would be the dog in that scene and so then we would be like watching something and he'd be like huh, Danny Trejo's character was the dog in that scene because he doesn't say anything he's just there to cut away to <laughs> uh and yeah I remember he was like writing a script for like a vampire movie that he wanted to make someday and was literally just like handwriting a script in a notebook uh and I always like I don't know thought that was very cool and I think uh similarly to like you watching this now and realizing like fuck man this movie like was a way bigger influence on me than I thought it was uh that dude was a way bigger influence on me than I thought he was Mm -hmm. uh so yeah like sorry to like derail our outro with this but I just like realized that uh is uh, stupidly is like an important thing for me to say uh, uh yeah i'm like you know still trying to write movies that's still like the the dream job that i'm going for and i'm like you know even like this week like working on a thing to try to like get to this person because if they read it then it might turn into something etc uh and have yeah been like published as a film critic in Goria and like like written about movies and uh have just like tried to be a writer my entire adult life and i don't think that it's something that i would have considered uh like possible to pursue were it not for like the influence of man yeah, this dude that my mom dated for a while uh and i you know i'm not in touch with him and like haven't spoken to him uh you know in more than a decade of course but if Somehow, for uh, some reason, uh, Jamie Carl from uh, Amarillo, Texas, uh, ever listens to this. Uh, you know, hit me up. Uh, it'd be it would be cool to catch up sometime.
0: <laughs> and read that vampire script.
1: I'd love to read that vampire script. Yeah.
0: And uh, to to continue ending on a mushy note. Uh, uh, sadly, yesterday, Sunny Chiba passed. Uh, uh, so yeah. I encourage everybody listening to this because we used to end with a call to action, which was support your local movie theaters. But now we don't need to do that anymore as they're starting to opening. But they still need that support, we do. especially the n- ones that aren't megaplexes. Um, I encourage y'all to let us know what Sonny Chiba movie is where you fell in love with him. Yeah, because the man has an amazing Actually, legacy.
1: Yeah, that's that's got to be my pick for next week. Street Fighter. <gasps> Let's do it. Yeah.
0: So next week we're watching Street Fighter. But please let us know the first movie in which you fell in love with uh, the actual legend, Sunny Chiba. And uh, as always, we love you. you. Bye!